happy pick and bones Tuesday, everyone. I have a super, super useful pick and bones for you today. Um, I think a dream for probably 100% of the listeners, you can't say that very often, is to own their own uh, hunting ground someday. Um, that's definitely a dream of mine. My wife and I, we got a nice investment fund set up to uh, uh, make a down payment someday, hopefully very soon. And uh, th- now you notice I said a down payment. It's not like we're going to, you know, we, we aren't we aren't the HGTV people out there, you know. My, you ever see those memes like my husband is a llama trainer and I uh, teach frogs how to sing. Our budget is two point five million dollars. <laughs> we, we we haven't we haven't struck it that lucky, but but uh, tonight I'm joined by Emmett Enyart from Extreme Element Outdoors and a few other companies as well, Cat Tracks, Shed Tags, and uh, we'll talk about those things in a full length episode later on. But uh, tonight. I just want to talk about you buying a farm, man. Um, you're Heck a yeah. you're a first time landowner, right? Yes, sir. Yep. And yep, uh, first time. Yeah, that is that. I mean, first of all, did it seem super daunting, like getting into it? So yeah, I mean, it it, it was really it's something I didn't realize how much of a dream. Of, like my dad bought a piece of land about seven years ago. And mm-hmm. after he bought that piece of land, like it immediately within like a year of just doing stuff on the land he bought, like it immediately became a dream of mine that like, hey, this is something that I would love to do, like yeah. buy my own piece of land at some point. So it's something that had always been like on my mind. But yeah, it's, it's at first when you when you look at, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say it, but then also to go forward with it, it is an overwhelming task, you know. Yeah, so sure. definitely daunting. Yeah. Well, it is nice though, just to like have that, have that evidence right before you're like, Hey, I know I got to feel the process, you know, that my dad went through. Um, but still, I mean, you're, you're a young guy to be buying land. And I think that that's always really impressive. My coworker, Nicholas, he, um, he, isn't into hunting, but he's like a business guy, which you definitely have a very strong entrepreneurial gene to you as well. We'll talk about that more in the the full length, which is very impressive to me. And, uh, I think, so first of all, I need to give credit where credit's due. I heard Emmett in an interview with uh, a mutual friend, Jake Hofer on the land podcast. And they talked about the whole process of Emmett going and buying his own piece if you have never listened to that episode, I strongly advise you to do so. Um, it was fairly recent, like, I don't know, maybe a month, month and a half ago when that was on. So just kind of scroll back a handful of episodes and, and you should see it right there. But but um, did, did I hear correctly? You're 26 when you bought your first piece? Yeah, so I just turned 28. Uh, it was about couple weeks ago and we bought uh we bought that piece of land a couple months ago so yeah bought it that is 27 man that is both my wife and i you got to be like in seriously like a fraction of a percent of people who own farmland in iowa at uh 28 years old and at the time 27 years old so super impressive um and my my coworker nicholas he kind of operates the same way he's 26 and uh, he just bought his third property already that he, he like rents stuff out and he's starting a coffee shop now on the side and, 
And uh, guys like you are go-getters, and it's super inspiring because I'm 34, and I'm over here like, man, I need to, I need to get going on, on some of the stuff because, like, that's part of the American dream, right? If you you got to create your own breaks, you got to go. If you want something bad enough, you got to go and get it. And I just never, I just never really used to think that way. And then I met Nicholas. Then I started listening to Jake's podcast. Jake is that way big time. He owns a couple farms now and. Then when I heard your story, it's like, all right, these guys are doing it. I got to try and do it. And so that's, that is the point of this podcast here. We want to, want to help me get there, (laughs) but also I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who, who just like most people feel like, man, that's just never going to be for me. It's impossible, but clearly there is a path to getting it done. So what were like some of the financing options available that you looked into and then maybe tell us, you know, you know, you can summarize or whatever. If they, if people want to hear the full nitty gritty, then go to Jake's episode, but, but, um, kind of give us some of the options you had and then detail the one that you went with. Absolutely. So I had always heard, um, just because I had made some friends that, uh, were family farmers and I'd always heard about this first time farmers loan never really was sure like how it fully operated um, and what the requirements were for it. But I just knew it in the back of my head, just from like, you know, having a conversation with a couple guys over a few beers. It's just something that like a buddy of mine bought a farm. Long story short, I knew that there was this option out there. Didn't Mm -hmm. really know what it detailed. When I, when we first got really serious about looking into land, the first thing that we looked at was um, banks and with the interest rates, the way that they are, um, which when I say the way that they are within the past couple months here, they've been relatively high to what they had been. Sure. And what happens with land, it seems like is when you have really low interest rates, there's a lot of spending. And so like the, the availability of good ground or the ground that like you can really pick and choose what you want is slim to none because people are spending and buying and, and buying and buying and buying. And so there's this, it's very hard to find something that fits the exact criteria that you want. Well, interest rates have gone back up, which makes it great because there's a lot of stuff on the market now. But then the bad part is that's a lot more money that you have to spend in the long run. Mm-hmm. So we looked at the banks and we saw that there was you know, relatively high interest rates. And then what I started to do was reach out to see what other options were available. And one of the first places I reached out to was Farm Credit Services. And Farm Credit Services had some good um, financing options, but they required 20% down. Mm. And that, at first it was like, that seems like an overwhelming amount where it was like, okay, to be able to yeah. get what we want, that's just something that we can't, like we're not going to be able to do that. Right. And then I found out about this first time farmer's loan. Well, looking in more into it, I questioned about that and they're like, well, no, you're not going to be eligible for that because you don't have, this or this or this long story short, I started to do a little bit more. They were just giving me the easy answer. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually reached out to the FSA myself, which is a government. Um, I don't know what to call it. The FSA, well, I mean, the a, farm service agency. Yeah. It's a, it's an agency of U S department of agriculture. They, they do all sorts of things from, you know, helping with, with FSA farm loans or, uh, even like things like farm bill stuff with uh, 
I think they might help some with crop insurance, but also uh, CRP would be another thing. Absolutely. So they're a government agency and basically reached out to them, got a little bit more details, started to do a little bit more digging on my own and found out that there's a criteria to um, apply as a first time farmer. And actually with the background that I had, it conveniently fit some of the check boxes that needed to be met to, to actually apply to be the, to apply for the first time uh, farmer loan. Now with this first time farmer loan, the reason that that was so um, good was because the interest rates were relatively low compared to like what the banks or what uh, the FSA was initially. And it also required a less, you could, you could choose an option that had a less, lesser down payment. Hmm. They have a couple, they have three different options with their first time farmer's loan. And each one is different. Um, but like, for example, the one that we chose was called the 545.50. And what that means is that the FSA requires that you put 5% down. 45% of it will be financed by the FSA. Hmm. And the remaining 50% will be financed by another um, entity. So that's where like we had the FSA finance 45% of it. But then the second entity, entity that we had financed was the um FCS, which is the farm credit services. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like I jumped into that pretty far right there. I mean, maybe I should back up. Ken, is there anything no. that you think that I, I missed out on? Well, no, I think that, I think you did a great job explaining it there. The, the, so the part that I wondered about when, when I heard this the first time and I, I still wonder about is it makes sense how you do, you got the five and 45 part, but for the other 50% of the, of of you know the money that's showing up at at sale could you choose what that entity was or did fsa have pretty strict rules on nope you got to go with this this or this good question so you you could choose whoever you wanted but the requirement was and this was this was a catching part the requirement was that that 50 percent or it doesn't necessarily have to be 50 percent like it's called a 545 50 if you can put, if, let's say we could put down 20%, mm-hmm. um, the FSA would still finance 45% and then the, the other entity finances the remaining part. But regardless of what they finance, the financing terms has to be a 30-year term, okay. which has a little bit of, uh, based on your financial situation, that can have, um, it's, it's, it's really good to obviously do the math and figure out what makes the most sense for you sure. because in some interest rate scenarios, you know, it might not make sense to do the 30, 30 year term. If you could do just a 20 year term fully financed through the bank at a lower interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a catcher, but because interest rates were so high, it still made sense to go and do that. Um, and it also makes it, the 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 monthly payment a much less much less of a burden yeah yeah for but sure but overall you just end up spending more <clears throat> yeah that that makes a lot of sense and then if I remember correctly the the interest on the FSA loan that interest rate was much lower than like the banking interest rates right exactly exactly so the FSA portion of that that forty five percent was one point five percent which is just like awesome right wow. especially with interest rates they were i mean <laughs> yeah. i was getting i was getting like quoted like you know six to seven percent 
yeah. from the banks and um even F- fcs was like six to seven percent so it's um you know w- to go 1.5 percent was extremely um attractive and helpful because otherwise we wouldn't be able to do it i mean it yeah. just wouldn't have made sense for the the i mean we could have done it but the burden becomes much less where we can actually start to farm it and, and do things that we plan to do um right, right. W- through this program which is just fantastic were you able to um it's, to like have a crop this year on it or or get like any crp income off of it so we'll end up there's about half of it's tillable and out of that half um a quarter or i should say half of it's tillable a quarter of it's in crp for five more years mm-hmm. um and then the other quarter of it we're going to start putting crop on it um this year that's great that helps we, with that that helps with that uh mortgage payment big time then i imagine yes most definitely most definitely and i think that's so, the part I, you I, know i oh go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say the, the way that i handled it or we handle it financially between my wife and i is like and everybody can do it differently but like uh, how we look at it is like the crp payment and even the, the payment that we're making from the farm is all extra mm-hmm. we're like we planned on when we when we financed for it that we weren't going to finance for anything that we can't pay for with just our regular w-2s oh yeah yeah um it, but all that's just considered extra that we put back into the business which would be for the farm right um Essentially, so essentially you're creating another another down payment for when another piece comes up or or uh you need equipment for operating and stuff like that that's that's smart that's really that's really a good idea and it helps keep you from like overextending yourself too i think um you know but i think that like i wouldn't judge you for you know like taking that money and be like nope we're gonna use this to to pay pay off our mortgage here on the on the farm you know that 100 that totally makes sense and i think that's something that a lot of people uh, forget about when they're looking at land like they just think oh can we afford an extra you know thousand bucks a month in mortgage payments on you know this 30 or 40 acre piece well think about what are you getting for crp what are you getting for um, if you're going to farm it yourself, obviously there's some additional requirements there for equipment and, and, and you're going to have to buy seed and, and other inputs. But, um, even if you just cash rented the farm ground to someone, you could have a pretty reliable, um, payment coming in. Um, uh, however you set it up, a lot of guys set it up just in a yearly lump sum, um, but I imagine if you wanted to like do a monthly deal, you could probably work that out with somebody too. So, so, uh, there's, there's other options. Like you're going to be getting money off that ground uh, right away. Now, just to kind of finish this up, uh, you had to do some like unique, uh, like, like things to prove that you qualified for that loan. If I remember correctly, right. You had to like show that you were, you were making business decisions on another farm previously, right? Wasn't that kind of how it was worded? Yep, exactly. So there's a checklist to so to um, be approved or to be able to even apply for this um, 
first time farmers loan, there's a, there's a criteria that has to be met. They've got like, I don't remember like 10 different boxes. And if you, um, are, if you fit the criteria on like three of those boxes, um, you're eligible for the first time farmers loan. And so, so I had a fortunate, um, scenario that you know maybe not everybody else does but like one of the boxes was that you make business decisions on another farm well it worked out nicely for me because my dad had bought in the farm seven years ago and actually i had been making a lot of the business decisions on that farm as far as far as picking out what seed that were you know purchasing seed purchasing fertilizer determining what crops were going in on that farm um, and actually being kind of the point of contact with a lot of the um, local reps so mm -hmm. with that said um, I was able to get, you know, letters of recommendation from those um, local co-ops and, and, and seed reps. Um, and basically those were provided to the FSA for proof of that I had made, you know, business decisions. It also required my dad to say that I had made um, business decisions. And then there was like um, a couple other boxes that had to be met. One was that um, basically on your what is it you're if you one of the boxes is, is if you work with a job where you have to make financial management decisions um or if you have a job where you make financial management management decisions that that would be considered um one of the one of the boxes that helps you qualify so okay. that was one as i work as a um, project manager you know i work a lot with managing money for projects um so it kind of fit that bill and a lot of people it's not just project managers right like accounting um financial advisors um i mean you can really apply that to a lot of different jobs it's not just yeah. you know so that's a box that i think a lot of people especially those who are looking to make a big business decision as in purchasing land could justify being eligible for but that's just one box but yeah there's there's a couple other things that um are out there i i really wish i had the checklist in front of me but um it's available on the fsa website if you look up first time farmers loan um mm, great do tip. a little bit of digging you'll find it great tip i'm going to put that link in uh the show notes for this episode so if you're listening in you want to get rolling on it that's the first step is just starting to do the reading and seeing how you can how you can uh qualify you know and maybe maybe you aren't in the position that Emmett was in with having already done that legwork whether he knew it or not at the time uh he was essentially checking off that checklist so he could get the loan and maybe if you're listening in you need to find a way to start doing some of that stuff um uh, so you can check that off i've heard of people like um, selling hay, you know, they own, maybe they own an acre or something like that. And they start haying an acre. And, and, uh, I have a friend who works for farm credit services and he told me, I think there's a threshold because there's a couple different ways to qualify if I remember correctly. And one of them is like, you got to show that you're making at least $500 or something like that off of farm, uh, uh, farmed acres or acres that you have control of or something like that and um or influence over i guess and uh he suggested that's a good way for that a lot of people will do it is they'll they'll get into selling hay for a few years or um maybe uh 
maybe you have like a nice garden, you could start going to the farmer's market and uh, start selling some produce that way or something or get a cow or, you know, there's a lot of different ways, eggs. Um, you could you could do some of this stuff to technically qualify the the farming side of being a first-time farmer. And um, then get, that's obviously a huge advantage, 1.5% on half of that half of that loan that is especially right now that is just that's a that's insane that's a game changer right there so well well thanks for walking us through it emmett that's that's super encouraging don't just focus on the negatives people land is there you can get it and this is in iowa with a place where it's literally the most competitive place to buy farmland and uh emmett was able to do it at 27 years old and And if you're listening, you can do it too. You just got to put in the, put in the time to figure it out and, uh, you know, get all your ducks in a row and, and, uh, make it happen. But thanks a ton though, Emmett, for walking us through that. Do you remember picking bones is presented by Spartan forge. Spartan forge is such an important tool for me. I use it all the time. Use the record my track this time of year while I'm doing shed hunting, see what lines I've walked already this year. And, uh, hopefully I uh, can cover, uh, the places I shed hunt a little more effectively that way. See if I've missed any spots. Um, you can use, of course, all the other mapping layer features. The Blue Force Tracker is an absolute game changer if you hunt a property with buddies. Uh, definitely get on with Spartan Forge. You can find a link for that in the show notes. <clears throat> also, don't forget about East to West Hunts. Just got a text from Alex this last week. <coughs> Excuse me. Talk, talking my throat off um just got a text from alex this week and uh he is setting up a hunt for a bunch of his clients an elk hunt coming up this fall and uh there's a good chance i'm going to be on there i know i'll have a new baby girl though here in may and so uh, we'll see how things are going around the, the voucher household at the time but if i can get away good chance you'll find me in colorado this fall hunting elk and uh, for the first time ever and I'm really excited about it. I'm also a little nervous about it because it's going to be snowy and I'm going to be in the mountains and there's a, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more challenging circumstances, but I feel a lot better being able to go with Alex and a few other guys um, that, that might have some more experience than I do. So definitely uh, go to eastwesthunts.com, get signed up with Alex and who knows, maybe someday you'll get invited on a hunt like that. But if not, he can take care of all of your hunt planning and tag application needs for whatever your hunting dreams and plans are. Alex will take care of it. Use or uh, tell him that you listen to this podcast and you'll save 10% too, which is a nice savings there. And then also you shoot something awesome. You want it to look awesome. <clears throat> I saw yet another piece of bad taxidermy work the other day. And, uh, it's just a reminder, come on, people, don't, when you shoot something awesome, don't settle for bad taxidermy. Um, just go and get it done right. Go to a place like Old Barn Taxidermy down in Fort Madison, Iowa. They have been doing mounts for over 40 years, and uh, they do everything. They do over 500 whitetail shoulder mounts every year. They do elk. They do uh, uh, mountain lions and turkeys and bears. You name it, they, they'll mount it. And uh, it'll be world-class work when you uh, go and check it out. So uh, 
find the link for them in the show notes as well. And please tell them that I sent you there. That helps me out, helps you or helps them out. And uh, I know it'll help you out too, because you're getting good taxidermy work. And then finally, uh, my medic, it's always important to take good life-saving gear into the field. You never know when you're going to need it. No one ever plans to get hurt, but it does happen. And when it happens, you got to have the right stuff on you or it could end your trip or worse. And uh, my medic is the best way to prepare for that. That's what I take into the field, especially if I'm going out west into um, some of these more remote areas. I take the MyFAC Pro Kit. I would recommend a MyFAC Kit as well. And uh, when you go to check out with it, just use the promo code FIRSTGEN15, all one word, FIRSTGEN, the number 15, and you'll save yourself 15% off of that. So please uh, go check out all of those wonderful partners with this podcast. You'll be glad you did. And uh, thanks again to Emmett. Stay tuned. Later this week, you'll hear our interview on shed hunting and a few of the other things that he's up to. But uh, make sure you go check out Extreme Element Outdoors on Instagram and on YouTube. And uh, check out Cat Tracks and Shed Tags. Those are two cool named brands. And you're going to hear a whole lot more about them on Friday. So stay tuned to listen to that. And uh, until next time, everyone, thanks for listening. Take care and take someone hunting.